Praise God. Yeah, uh, Tracy's right. The plan last week, uh, Philippians 4, right, was what it was. And that was, you know, that was, you need to see this week's video, which is Colossians chapter 1. That's the plan for this week. Colossians chapter 1, you need to see this week's video because I did it when I returned home. Had some complaints about the heat. So anyway, praise God. Uh, so it's Colossians chapter 4 this week for the plan. Uh, today we're really blessed because we get to have Pastor Charles Slintz with us. He is from Kingdom Come Ministry International, pastoring a church in Ethiopia. Everybody say, Utopia, not Ethiopia. <laughs> but he's pastoring the church over in Ethiopia, still working with the Bible school. They're doing amazing things, amazing testimonies. And so he's going to come up and share the word with you this morning and, and tell you what's going on over on the far side of the world. Amen? So I'll give him a welcome this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, thank you. It's so wonderful to be back with you. I think last time we didn't, we missed because of a flood. But, uh, you know, the Lord's not going to flood the earth again. So, hallelujah. <laughs> so, but uh, we, we are just so excited about what God is doing here and in Ethiopia. Utopia and Ethiopia. <laughs> Pretty close, huh? And so, uh, but I, I want to I just, uh, before we share, I want us to pray just a f few minutes because, you know, uh, one of the reasons we pray is to bring ourselves into His presence. And, you know, when we're in His presence, that's what we come to receive from Him, not from me. So we want to be in His presence. And so uh, let's just focus on Him for a few minutes. Father, we're just so grateful. So grateful for your presence that you, you Lord, you Lord, we would, we would never be able to find you. We never would be able to know you without you coming to us. And so, Father, we just come to you right now. Speak, speak to us, Lord, by your spirit, Father. Speak to us. Open our hearts and speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, before we get into the Word of God, I, I want to just share a little bit about what's happening. Uh, we, uh, For those who don't know, I'm uh, Assistant Director of Victory Bible College in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And also, I teach there quite a bit. And so, we just had our graduation in June, and... Uh, now we have graduated in the last 11 years over 1,300, around 1,350 people. Hallelujah. And that's not just in Addis. We have schools in three other cities, satellite schools. And so, in fact, some of them are even just doing tremendous things. And, and God is using them mightily. And uh, so we're seeing great things happening. Hallelujah. And these people are just being trained with the Word of God, trained to follow the Holy Spirit and to work with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so God is doing a wonderful thing in the area of the Bible College. And uh, then also about three years ago, we, we started a church there. Uh, and now the, chur the church is growing. We've moved three times now. We're in our third location because of we needed a bigger place. Hallelujah. And uh, so uh, we'll fill this one and we'll move somebody somewhere else or we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll fill everything until we can't find a place big enough. Hallelujah. And uh, so God is doing many things and, and God's just bringing people. Now, not many people do this in church, but I tell people, if God didn't call you here, you don't have to stay. In other words, you know, uh, when a taxi driver, you know, there they have taxis, big bus taxis, and they, they, don't, they, wait, they only wait for people who want to get on the taxi. They don't wait for people who don't want to get on taxi. And so I believe in these last days, we need a people who know where they're supposed to be and that know what they should be doing. Huh? Because, you know, 
if you remember what God told Moses, you know, he said uh, that, or actually I think he said it through Jethro, but he said that you, sh you should show them that how they should walk or how they should live and what they should do. And you know, that's, that's the thing I love about Pastor Robert. He is not religious. <laughs> you know, he was born again outside of religion. You know, and, uh, and, and the wonderful thing about that is that the Lord is not religious either. And so it's a lot easier to work with the Lord when you're not religious. Hmm? He's not religious. I see him do some phenomenal things and religion doesn't know what's going on. You know, they don't know what's going on. And so, anyhow, uh, about over, a little over, now about a year and a half ago, we did a homeless project. And uh, we had, actually, we had our first and only uh, outdoor conference, or conference only. I mean, the Lord's just growing our church without a conference. Over there, people do conferences every month almost, trying to grow their church. We just let the Lord grow the church, because if you take care of the people, it'll happen. And uh, so anyhow, we had a conference, but we did it outside in the parking lot, and about 34 people got saved in a, in a two-day period, and they just came in. We passed out 800 flyers. Nobody came because of the flyer. So we stopped passing out flyers, because we didn't want to make the printer rich. And, uh, and so, uh, but people came because of the music. And so they came, uh, one lady came, and uh, she was, uh, you know, she was a Muslim, and she had, had a, she had a vision, Jesus appeared to her in a vision, and healed her, but she was not saved. She came walking by our place, and she heard the name of Jesus, and she knew Jesus had healed her, so she came in and got saved. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, and then when we had 34 people, and to, what was interesting, a lot of them were homeless people. And so the Lord just put in our heart to do a, a, a program to help change their lives. And, you know, we, we don't really know what we're doing. We're just following the Lord. And so we started a program. We did a month-long intensive program of teaching them and working with them. The first three days, you know, they told us false names and false test, uh, histories. Everything they told us was wrong in the first three days. Because they just thought we, they, the, we, we were a church they were going to take advantage of. They were just going to get something from us and leave. But, you know, they found the love of God. You know, the truth is wonderful. It sets us free. But the lo when love and truth work together, you can be amazed of the exponential impact that has on people. And so after three days, they all started confessing their real name and telling their real histories, telling how they steal from people, telling all the tricks of the trade. You know, because they're, they're, they're not only beggars, they're thieves. Some of them been in prison. And so we begin to see transformation take place in their life. And they begin to change. And out of 64 people, 16 are members of our church. And if you came to our church today, you could not tell me which 16 are the homeless people. And yet they still live with me. Some people say, how aren't you afraid to live with them? I said, no, we have the safest place. Because, you know, thieves do not rob thieves. So, you know, because we have thieves living there, so no thieves are going to come. We have a safe place. Hallelujah. Safe for them and safe for us. And so their lives have been changed. We send out testimony. Pastor Robert gets those testimonies. One guy, 20 years on the street. Wow. Mental problem, epilepsy, God healed him of both. Hallelujah. Oh, man. We had one guy, you know, he, his name is Mitiku, and he had signed up 
for an apartment, they have a lottery in, the, in Ethiopia, and when they draw names, and they draw your name, they'll give you an apartment. But you've got to pay some money. He, he, he signed up for that, but he never paid any money. But right before I left, he's a homeless guy. They gave him an apartment. Can you imagine that? They gave a homeless guy a home. The government did. Hallelujah. But just to tell you the power of love, he's still with us. He's not ready to go to his, his apartment. He wants to still be with us. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. And then he, we had a medical mission come. He helped with that medical mission. And one of the doctors said, I'm gonna, his, he, he has about half of his teeth missing. How? I don't know. I didn't ask him, but <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't in a good way. And, uh, and so he said, I'm going to pay for you to get those te- to get teeth to replace that. Well, he went to the dentist. They didn't have the teeth. They have to order them, and it takes a while to get them from another country. And so he said, they just said, come and, keep, and we'll clean them for you until they come. He said the other day before I left, he said, you know, I've been going in so many times to get cleaned. I hope I have these, this side before the other ones come. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyhow, tremendous things are happening. They have tremendous testimonies from these guys. I went to go get my fingerprints, because, not because I'm a criminal, but because I was getting a, a resident permit. And, uh, and they, they took me there, and they, took, you know, they loved me, so they took me to the front of the line. And when they took me to the front of the line, all the Ethiopians started complaining. And so one of them just stood up and started preaching to them. He preached the gospel to them and started saying things, you know, you don't know what God has done for us through this man. And then all of them, just, all of those guys just changed in line. And they just, now all of them started helping me. It's an amazing thing. And this is like uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, too, before people are nice. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) So, God, we just seen some tremendous thing. Even a church that doesn't agree with us, they, they, they they let us use their building and their baptismal tank. They let us use it, even though they don't agree with what we teach. And even you, to do anything in Ethiopia, you have to have a letter with a stamp. If you don't have a stamp, you don't have anything. We don't have a stamp because we were not organized as a church yet. And we told them we don't have a stamp. They said, ah, oh, use it anyhow. That doesn't happen. That's more of a miracle than some other things. <laughs> Orthodox, they think they're the only true church there. The leader of the precinct or the Kabeli, he said he came to visit our homeless program. He said to us, you know, you're the only true church here in this, where, in this area. 72 churches, you're the only true church, he told us. Wow. One pastor, you know, he owns a television station. He works with us in Victory. He's the, actually started Victory. He owns a television station. He heard about this program. He's given us 30 minutes on primetime TV for these guys to testify. And then we'll put the phone number on there and different things, and people can give towards it. We're about to start a new program. Hallelujah. God, there's over 100,000 homeless people in Addis Ababa alone. The, the, the government has spent millions and millions of burr, which even is millions of dollars, and they cannot help them. But the truth in love has transformed them. We only did a month-long program, and we saw many transformations. This time we'll do a year-long program, and we'll see amazing results. Amazing results. Catholic Church does that. They only see 5%, and they have them all the time. They only see 5% of them change. In just one month program, we had 25% of them change. And that's only because we only went a month. And so, God is doing a wonderful thing. And y'all are part of it. It's your fruit also. Amen?
It's amen over there. So if I say amen, it's still amen And if you translate it. <laughs> Praise God. And so, you know, God is so good. And I, I want to I just talk to you today. I'm the reason you're going to be here late. <laughs> Don't blame it on the Holy Communion. Hallelujah. And so, but just as an introduction, before we get into the word, you know, the Lord has just really been speaking to my heart about in these last days, God is going to raise up a doing church, a doing church. You know, James tells us in the first chapter that those who are hearers and not doers deceive themselves. Hearers and not doers, we deceive ourselves. You know, the thing that makes Jesus most effective was that he was a doer. You know, it doesn't matter how much we pray if we don't do. It doesn't matter how much we read the Bible if we don't do it. It doesn't matter how much we even meditate in the Bible if we don't do it. So doing is really where Jesus gets into action. And so, you know, in, in prayer and meditation, we're hooking up with Jesus. But in doing, we're releasing Jesus. We're releasing Jesus to the world that's around us. And so I believe with all my heart that God is in this last generation. He's raising up a doing church. A doing church because Jesus was the greatest doer of all. And we're his body. Hallelujah. So what would the head want to do through his body? Be a doer. Amen? And that means we have to grow up. You know, could you imagine if I have an adult head and a little two-year-old body? And my adult head wants to do all these things, but what can I do with a two-year-old body? You see, Jesus needs to have a mature body so he can do what he wants to do. We need to be that mature body. We need to grow up in him in all things. Amen? That's what Ephesians says, that we should grow up in him in all things. Hallelujah. In every area, we should grow up. And so, and I'm not actually talking to you about growing up, but we ought to grow up. You're not mature just because you've been saved a long time. You know, maturity also means we take responsibility. Amen. And you know, the word responsible is an interesting word. It means that we respond to the ability that he's given us. When we respond to his ability in us, we become responsible. Responding to his ability that's in us. How many know we have his ability in us? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. When we respond to that ability, that's maturity, responding to that ability. You know, it is, I have been crucified, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And so now he has to live through us. Hallelujah. You know, in all my early days of ministry, I always did things for God. But in these last days, I didn't want to do anything for God. I want to do something with God. Too many people do things for God that God doesn't even want to do. Well, I, did, I was doing it for God. Well, God doesn't even want to do it. Do something with him. That means he wants to do it. Not just something for, oh, for this is for the Lord. Well, how do you know if the Lord wants you to do it? And so I want us to look in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Because, <laughs> you know, if the Lord doesn't want to do it, he's not going to be impressed with what you're doing. <laughs> now, with that, you're doing it by yourself. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, but that means you have to be doing it with him. A yoke is two. Jesus is one, and if we're in it, we're doing it with him. But we're not in the yoke, we're doing it on our own. Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, you are created for what? Good works. 
Not good rest. Thank you, Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means that before time began, God already prepared a schedule for you. He prepared a future for you. He prepared a destiny for you. He prepared things, good works that he wanted you to do. I want to talk to you about some thieves of your destiny. And these are now, you know, the worst thief to have is a thief that lives with you. You know, you can do all kinds of things, keep a thief out. But if he lives with you, it's a lot harder. Huh? And so I want to talk to you about some thieves of death because God, that's why it's so important we be led by the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to do the good works that God has prepared for us to do. This means everybody, God has prepared. We are his work, and he wants to do work through us. Good, good means, you know, even the world has the right definition for good. Good means, in the, in the, the Greek word for good means to be beneficial to others. You know, we don't make a statue of people unless we're uh, threatened, but out of our own heart, we don't make a statue of people who give good things to themselves. We make statues of people who helped others. Huh? We recognize that goodness is about people helping others. But we, of all people, have the goods to help others. And so, now, this message is not so, so much of a shouting message because it's not about receiving. You know, if you go to a Christian bookstore, about 80% of the books are about receiving. But we're talking about growing up. You know, when, you, when a mother has a child, she finds out that receiving is not on her plate anymore. Now giving is. You know, she's like, and the child goes, ah! ah! She goes, ah. That's why everybody's excited their children are going to school. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so I want to talk about some thieves. Maybe I'm not going to talk about common things that there are also thieves, but because they probably get covered here in the services. But uh, I want to talk about some things that are different. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 11. If you get upset with me, just throw tomatoes, not stones. We call that directed persecution. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Peter writes, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It says, as sojourners and pilgrims. As sojourners and pilgrims. Then turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11, verse 13, it says in verse 13, then they all, that these all died, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, I think... I want to talk about the things that steal our destiny, the thieves that steal our destiny. And the first one I want to talk about is having a settler's mentality. Because, you know, here Peter says we are pilgrims. That on the earth, he's saying here in Hebrews, we are strangers. Strangers and pilgrims. So, in other words, this is not our home. This is not our home. This is not a place where we build our kingdom. This is a place where we build his kingdom. It is not a place where we build our kingdom. You know, and, and, and sometimes we have made the idea is that we have is that here we build, we make ourselves at home. 
But we're not here to make ourselves at home. We're here to expand his kingdom. Because this is not our home. This is not our home. And, and if, we don't, if we get too settled here, we spend our life working on ourselves. We spend our life working on our home. We spend our life working on our life. We spend our life on our kingdom. And we do not do the things that he's planned for us to do in his kingdom. And so it's not that we don't do anything for ourselves in this life, but we have to make sure that it does not cause an imbalance in our life. Because, you know, no matter how much you get in this life, you're going to leave it behind. No matter what you get in this life, it's not going to stay with you. You can't take it. There's no U-Hauls following a hearse. You know? There's a Chinese restaurant in Hondo, and uh, Vietnamese run it, and they... The, the owners, the, the guy, the husband owner, there's a husband and wife, but husband, his mother died and they asked me to do the, they, they did a, a double funeral, one for, I guess, whatever Buddhism or whatever they have, whatever their religion is on one side and Christian on the other. So it was, a, it was an interesting funeral. But the wonderful thing is they didn't do it at the same time. Uh, so one did theirs first, and then I did mine second. And so anyhow, but the ones who do it first, I mean, with the, in the mother's casket, they put food and drink because she's going to be on a journey. Of course, if her body's still there and food and drink are for the body, I'm wondering about the mentality of it. But uh, I think another part of her is on a journey, not the, her body. And so... But what I'm saying is they're thinking she can take it with them, with her. But you see, we can't take anything with us. And you know, what's even more the thing that we have to really realize is that we have to be eternity-minded. Too many times we are temporal-minded, but we have to be eternity-minded. And when we're not eternity-minded, then we spend our life on this life. We spend our life on this life. But you know what? Eternity is a lot longer than this life. This life is like a drop. Eternity is like the oceans of the world. And when we spend all our life on that drop, and we don't spend our life on the ocean, then all of eternity we're losing out because we did not focus on eternity in this life. This life is short, but this, this life is investment time. In this life, we make eternal investments. Because after you leave this life, you cannot make an investment in eternity anymore. And I don't know about you, I don't want to waste my eternity over this life. Because this life is not that great anyhow. Is it? I mean, even on your finest day, it's not that great. Even if all your bills are paid, it's still hot. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, I mean, there's never a day you have where you, can, you can't think of anything that doesn't need to be changed. So this life is not the best investment. Now, I've made a few bad investments, and you don't pay for them just when you make them. You pay for them for a long time afterwards. I don't want to pay for a, wrong, a not making an investment in eternity forever. I don't want to pay forever. In other words, suffer not having it. Suffering lack of it because I didn't ever make an investment. You know, I mean, you can work all your life and never have any money for retirement. Huh? And so then you worked all your life and you have nothing. But you see, eternity is a, a long time. And so while we need to do things in this life, eternity is more important than this life. You know, used to when there's great revival, pe people preached a lot on eternity. But, you know, in these last years, we've seen people preach a lot about, you know, this world. Prospering, which we're not against it. 
But if, we lo- if, if one thing causes us to lose sight of something greater, there's a problem. It becomes an imbalance. And we believe in prosperity. We even see it happening all the time. But there is a greater, wor- there is a greater life than this life. Hallelujah. And you know, I want to invest when you can invest. I mean, I'm sure some of you thought, had opportunity to invest in something and you thought, oh, I don't know. And then later on, it was real successful and you thought, oh, I should have invested. Yeah. Huh? You know? Some of the big, huge things now, when they were little, we could have invested in them, but we didn't think about eternity. There is no greater investment than eternity. Hallelujah. Even I believe we're going to have more of that kind of preaching the closer it comes for Jesus to come back. Because if you remember what Paul said, he said, uh, looking at the things that are not seen. Huh? Looking at the things that are not seen. And he said that the things that he suffered in this life for the sake of the gospel... In other words, he had to suffer it because he spent his time investing in eternity. And so he had to suffer persecution. And he said, the things that I suffered, they are only momentarily, only for a moment. And they are a light affliction. I don't know, if you read about Paul, it doesn't seem to me like a light affliction. And it didn't seem to me momentarily. It's over 30 years. How many know if people want to kill you for over 30 years, that's not momentarily. But for Paul, because his eyes are on a greater, I mean, eternity is forever. So what is 30 years and forever? It's a moment. He said, those persecutions, those sufferings, he said, they work for me. Wow. Wow. You know, most people, when they suffer, they think they lost. Paul said, they are working for me. Ooh. They're working for me. He was investing in the gospel. He was investing in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was working for him in eternity. Hallelujah. If you'll read that, that's the real context of what he's saying in 2 Corinthians 4. And so... The first thing, the first thief of our destiny is what we want to settle down in life. And this we, we want to spend all our life to get where we want to be, and then life will be over. Sometimes I think it's because we think about how it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they built a kingdom. But in the New Testament, we have the kingdom within us. Hallelujah. Again, if you get mad, throw tomatoes, not rocks. Hallelujah. And so I want you to know that we first have to have the mentality that we would be eternal minded and not temporal minded. That is the first thief of our destiny. Because our destiny is not our future in this earth only. That's a very short destiny. Many people want to know about here, but here is a short time. We need to know about eternal destiny. The second thing is, and uh, I I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, this is not a feel-good message. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) now, if you do what I'm telling you, you will feel good. Yeah? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The second thief that I want to talk about is poor time management. You know, it says redeeming the time. I don't know if you realize it, but uh, you can't go to the store and buy time except for your phone in Ethiopia. But if you, you know, if you don't have enough time today, you can't go to the store and buy some extra. 
Oh, I didn't get everything finished. Let me go buy some time. You can't buy time. You know, you can replace your money by making more money. But you can't replace your time. But the Bible talks about redeeming time. Redeeming does mean to purchase back. Huh? We, we, the only way to purchase back time is through wisdom. He said, walking, don't be like a fool, but be wise. And when you're wise, when you have God's wisdom, it will buy time for you because it will save you a lot of time. Are you with me? Things will work. In other words, God's wisdom will help you find the shortcut. Hallelujah. He, he'll help you to do things that you, I mean, you know, when you get working, that's why it's important to work with God, not just do something for him. Because when you're working with him, then he's going to make everything simpler. He's going to make everything work better. Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't mean you might not have to sacrifice something or you might not incur, encounter persecution. You know, and America's been kind of persecution-free in a lot of ways for a long time. But, you know, the more, we, uh, the more uh, some, some groups grow here, you're going to see persecution happening more. And we, some, we, we have a generation that has no idea how to deal with persecution, actually. Persecution, what's that? You know, we, sometimes, you know, because sometimes when we have it bad, we, give, we try to make it good for the next generation, and we, we don't, they don't know how to deal with issues because we go the other direction. Hallelujah. I remember my grandfather, you know, he went through the Depression, and, you know, he... They had to save everything. When we went to his barn, I mean, it was an ancient place. He saved things that were so old. You know, they weren't even usable anymore, but he saved it because you don't throw anything away. You know, even I have a little bit into me because, I, you know, you don't leave your plate with anything on it. And so, you know, it doesn't help your weight, but especially when you keep putting things on it. And... uh but what I'm telling you is that uh, <laughs> God needs us to be wise with our time. Because if you're not wise with your time, you won't accomplish the things he's scheduled for you to do. And so, now, now think about it. Something that really affects time management is our values. Because what you value is what you give priority to. What you value is what you give priority to. And sometimes our values cause us to give our time priorities to things that really do not result in much. Or they waste our life even. This is not a shouting message. <laughs> Come on, we're coming. Hallelujah. You know, uh, because a lot of times we're thinking, oh, you know... I want to be built up at church, you know. But you know what? There are some things you'll never receive until you become a doer. No matter how much you meditate on the Bible, you won't get it until you become a doer. I'm convinced there's things you'll never learn until you become a doer. Things that you'll never encounter. Things you'll never experience until you become a doer. Because becoming a doer changes you. It changes you. Because sometimes we have the word in us and we have an inward reality, but when we become a doer, it becomes an outward reality. And God wants to change us outwardly. He wants to change us outwardly. You know, I, I can't tell you how much I have changed over these last years. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I was talking to one lady in Fredericksburg. And I was talking to her about going to the mission field, and she's going, oh, no, you can't get me there. I'm talking about visiting, not living. I remember we took a group from Hondo. We took them to Mexico, and we went to a poor village, you know, and, uh, you know, they take a bath in the river or a little pond right off the river. We got in there. I got out, and there was little leeches all over me. Everybody going, ooh. 
So what'd you do? I, I just, I brushed them off. Hallelujah. You, you don't just, do, oh, how nice. Stay here. And, uh, But I remember when we got back to the hondo, you know, we had testimony night because a, a number of group people went with us. And, and one lady said, you know, when we got back, I, got, I went into my bathroom and I got on my knees and I thought she was going to say I, she would, would thank the Lord. But she said, I hugged my toilet. One famous singer, Ethiopian, you know, when people get famous in Ethiopia, they move to America. And, uh, and he was visiting there, and he said to me, he said, Pastor Charles, how, how can you take it here when no internet, sometimes no electricity, sometimes no water? How can you take it? I said, well, think about it. Paul never had electricity. Hello? Jesus never had electricity. Paul didn't have running water. Paul didn't have internet. Paul didn't have Google. He had God. Huh? Isn't that right? He didn't have all that stuff. And yet, he changed the world. So sometimes we have become dependent on the wrong thing. Huh? And so that's why the lady doesn't want to go. Because she knows that we're not have electricity sometimes. <gasps> what am I going to do with my hair? <laughs> Water. <laughs> oh, you feel dirty. Yeah. Hallelujah. What about no internet? <gasps> no internet. And so, but you see, even they have no electricity, and Paul had a service till midnight. Amazing that. We have electricity. We can't even do a service till midnight. Is that right? Everybody's midnight comes at a different hour, anyhow. Anyhow. So I'm talking about if you want to have good time management, you have to have the right values. The most important things have to be the most important things. You have to reevaluate your life because you're not going to be here a long time. Your life, you have to reevaluate it. What is important and what is not important? Don't spend your life on things that do not have. Don't spend all your life on things that have no eternal bearing or that are not going to help you eternally. In other words, I want to spend my life on things that are going to follow me to heaven. Not things that are going to die with me on this earth. We're talking about thieves of your destiny. Thieves of your destiny. Let me talk about another a thief. And, and then I'll probably have to stop because I don't know, are y'all the kind of church that could stay here till midnight? Well, we see if there's unity now. <laughs> Hallelujah. One last thing. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. You know, this message may not get me the biggest offering, but I think it will help the Lord the most. I'm here for Him. I'm His representative. Huh? So I'm not afraid if you don't give. Because I represent Him. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. And this, this is such an important thing. It really is one of the foundational things in us helping these homeless guys. Romans 8. Let's start with verse uh, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The next 
The next thing that I want to talk about that's a thief is when you do not have the right self-image. When you do not recognize your self-worth or your worth, your value. Because when you don't recognize your value, it affects how you treat everything else. When you don't recognize you have value, it even causes us to devalue other people. Our value, knowing our value, I don't know if you remember when Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount would talk about to the disciples knowing their value. He said, are you not more valuable than the birds? Huh? And if the, if the Lord takes care of birds and you're more valuable, how will he take care of you? How much will he take care of you? You see, knowing your value has even affects your faith. It affects your faith. When you know how valuable you are to the Lord, then you have strong faith. Just when you like know how much your parents love you, you have strong faith about stuff. Knowing your value. Because when you, ha- when you feel like you have value, it's easy to give value. When you feel like you have no value, people go around trying to get value rather than giving value. And that's why the, really the body of Christ is in such a mess is because we have so many takers and not many givers. You know, because the, the, when Peter and John went to the temple to pray, they went by the lame man who was begging for alms, and, they, and he, they said to him, or Peter said to him, silver and gold we do not have because we don't take money to prayer. Silver and gold we do not have. But what we do have, we give to you. The only thing you can give to somebody is what you do have. When you don't realize your value, you have nothing to give to people. You want something from people. You want something because you don't feel like you have something. But when you realize your value, and you see, the value of something is set by the one who purchases it. For instance, if I have a pen here, how many will give me $500 for this pen? It's not gold. It's not silver. It's plastic. You give me $500? Anybody give me $500? Five hundred dollars, not pennies. Nobody will. Why? Because nobody thinks it's value. That value has that value. You see, we we will pay for something if we think it has value, unless we have some kind of pressure or debt. But what I'm saying, we pay for things what we think they're value valued at. And so, God paid for us what He valued us at. Huh? He's the one who said, we are bought. We are bought with a price. Yes, Lord. The price set our value. Hallelujah. The price sets our value. What price did he pay? He paid with the life of his own son. That means he has set our value as the value of his own son. When I know my value... I don't walk around trying to get something. I walk around to give something. I I go out to give. I don't go out to get. I become a giver rather than a getter. And when I see a person, I go, oh. (laughs) I mean, how many homeless people are not your most desirable people physically? I mean, you sit next to one, you might smell him. Hallelujah. That's why we installed showers right after we brought them on campus. We said, this is how you get rid of things that don't belong to you. Huh? But you know, we, we gave them clothes that people donated. And you know, they're, they're not necessarily good, that great of clothes, but they're better clothes than what they have. 
Since what they had, they won't war for a long time. And, and you know, but now when you come into our church, many of them are, I mean, a number of them are wearing suits. We, we don't even know where they got them from. They're, we didn't ever tell them they had to wear suits, but they're wearing suits. One guy came the other day. He, he was had a suit on, a hat on. You know, I'm thinking, where did he get that? But you see, he's dressing up because he knows he has value now. Huh? And then one homeless came and the other homeless gave him the clothes that were donated to him. Wow. Now he's a guy. Now that guy's in Bible school. He's going to Bible school. You see, it changes you when you see who you are. It changes you when you know your value. Because when you have value, it's easy to give value. When you don't feel like you have value, you even become defensive. Or you hide. And you don't want to do anything. Or you are always trying to keep everything you can or get everything you can get. And you always have all those kinds of ways of living. But when you become, when you know your value in Christ, you become a person that gives value to people. Hallelujah. You become a person that gives value to people. You see, when you, you even want to give value to people. And that's why it motivates you to do good works. It motivates you to do good work because you're, you're, you say, I don't want to just keep this to myself, what I have. I want to give it to somebody else. I'm not going to just sit here until... I die. And you know, the lepers, they went to the enemy's camp and they found food and everything. They had just run and left it. And they said, we cannot just keep this for ourselves. We have to tell the city that's been feeding us. We have to tell them the good news. You know, we have such good news in the gospel. We declare how good it is. But if it's that good... Shouldn't we be motivated to try to give it more and more? If it's that wonderful, what has it done for you? What has it done for you? You know, it's changed my life. I don't mind. How many know that Jesus was homeless? Huh? All the guy, homeless guys looked at me when I said that. Jesus said, foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Huh? Hallelujah. Listen to me. God has some things for you to do. It don't matter how old you are. Moses was 80 when he went into the ministry. Hallelujah. Jesus has things for us to do. It's not made me the same things. Everyone might do the same things. And when God gives direction to Pastor Robert... Those might be some of the things that you're supposed to do. But let's be a doing church. Hallelujah. Let's be a doing church. Glory. This may not be a fancy message, but it's a to-the-point message. Huh? It's to the point. You know, and I don't know about you. <laughs> How would you like on your gravestone? He thought about doing it. Huh? <laughs> oh, wow. What would that person that read it think? I don't know. I want to, on my gravestone, I want it to be, he did it. Huh? He did it. He didn't think about doing it. Oh, he, he wanted to do it. I thought I was thinking about it, but it got late, you know, and... <laughs> What, what do you want on your gravestone? I'll be gone for a year. You can forget what I said, but then you're not a doer. Huh? I'm challenging you to seek God, not for what you need to receive, but what you need to give. I think we kind of made a mistake in some ways 
in the faith message. In that most of the time when we talk about faith, we talk about only receiving. But the very thing that restored living by faith to the church was the scripture said, the just shall live, not receive by faith, but the just shall live by faith. And I think living is more than receiving. Because there's not only promises in the Bible, there's commandments. And I think it takes faith to do those also. So let's be doers. Let's see God change people because we love them. Hallelujah. Let's love them with his love and let's see God change people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to I want to pray in just a moment for you. But, you know, if this message really has spoken to you, you can't just let it speak to you until you get to your car. You have to act on it. Change never happens by thinking. It happens by doing. I want to pray for you. And then if you need personal prayer. I think we have a prayer team that will come up here and pray for you of other things. But I want to pray for you concerning this message. I'm telling you this because I love you. Because of how it's changed my life. Whether you do something or don't do anything, it won't help me or hurt me. But it will help you. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for your wonderful, wonderful love that has changed our life through the truth. So through love and truth, you have changed our life forever. And you have made us even different people. And we want that same thing for others. We want to see that same thing happen in other people. So Father, I just thank you that you'll take your word And use your word in every person's heart. Because, Father, I know this is a good church. Father, use it and stir people up to do more now in these last days than ever before. That in the last lap that we will give it our all as we run the race that's been set before us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it took a little extra of your time. I'll give it back to you when you get to heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, if we have people have prayer needs, I believe we have a prayer team that could come up and pray for you. Is that correct? So uh, if anybody wants to come up, you need prayer, then the prayer team will come up. Anybody? Praise God. Thank you, brother. Thank that you. was awesome. Hallelujah. I love you. Okay. So I have the highest respect for Pastor Charles and his wife. You know, they pastored a church in Hondo for 28 years, and then he was in Walmart one day in Hondo and had a divine appointment with the Lord in Walmart. God spoke to him and told him to leave the church and had another plan for him, and he was obedient to do it. And that takes a lot. You know, not that Hondo is that comfortable, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it's more comfortable than the place in Ethiopia, but, you know. But I just have a great admiration for him. So I want to take up an offering for him this morning. Ushers, help me. If you uh, just can make the check out to Living Waters Church, and we'll uh, give Pastor Charles a check after this. But, you know, uh, you can look up. Uh, Pastor Charles, if you just... We have some information here. Is it all still the same? Just Kingdom Come Ministries. What's the website? KCMInternational.org. And you can follow them because I I get their emails and and read the testimonies of what's going on. And they need prayer, need us to hold them up. But I'm glad that we're a part of that. Amen? So put your hand on your offering. Lord, I just declare today we want to bless their ministry. We want to bless what you're doing through them in Ethiopia. Lord, I thank you for all the homeless people that are getting touched, all the things that the word is going out and touching people's lives. So, Lord, bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So in just a minute, you're going to have an awesome opportunity.
to go practice what you just heard. Because you're going to walk out those doors and you're all going to, we're all going to go different directions. We're all going to go north, south, east, and west, right? Some of you are headed to the cafe. Some of you are headed to, the, to this place or that place. By the way, if you go to the cafe, make sure that you're always the best tipper in there. Now, I know y'all are because they give the reports back to me. That they love the when Living Waters Church comes over and eats because they're the biggest tippers and the biggest blessers. But, you know, that's a way to, to minister, right? Amen. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Here we go. So you're going to go out there. So be a blessing. And you can put this message immediately into practice. Start learning how to give. Amen? Amen. Now, stand to your feet, if you would. And let me have my prayer team come on up. We're going to be around here. And if any of you do need personal prayer for anything going on, in life, we're here to pray for you. And so grab that person's hand beside you. Look at them and say, be a doer. Father, I just declare this church is a doing church. I declare this message is sown in the hearts of each and every person here. As we go out into the world, Lord, I declare that we're going to be ministers today. We're going to be doers today. We're going to be blessers today. We're going to be givers today. We're going to be everything that you want us to be, Lord, to do everything that's out there. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it, Lord. Bless them now, Lord, as they go in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.